Stole the Thunder Sorry. to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Barncast. My name is Ben Drew, and you're going to notice a few changes up in here this week, because I am joined by... Tyler Smith. Nathan Drew. A.K.A. Dr. Medicine. And also joining us uh, via satellite is... Matt Drew from St. John. Matt Drew. So we have all three of the Drew brothers... Benton isn't able to join us this evening. Um, so we uh, have these gentlemen to help us uh, fill in the episode for the week. So uh, it's going to be a really good episode. Benton's a busy man these days. The golf courses are open. He's back in the swing of things. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> see the swing. Like that? The swing. Um, and as always, our... Uh, podcast is brought to you by this here podcast is brought to you by heritage brewery beer so good it'll make you say mm, you sure do got a purdy mouth <laughs> so we are uh actually i we actually got heritage beer for the first time uh in a while um and we are sipping on the north american lager um it is a cream cr- Clean, crisp malt flavors that, that are balanced with light hops additions on a light body with plenty of bubbles for a crisp finish. Um, and as Jason Murphy said to me, he's like, it's the closest thing you're going to get to, like, you know, run-of-the-mill beer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually... What a salesman. <laughs> uh, I played tennis with Jason today. <laughs> and I, so I said, hey, bring, like, bring me a... Bring me a growler so uh, you can actually support the podcast. And then he brought it, and then I had to play him for it, and I won. So, so I don't know if I should even use the drop uh, because, <laughs> really, I sponsored this podcast with my sweet tennis skills. So, was it, was it close? It's all on the wrist, all on the wrist <laughs> and uh, the yells. Uh, so we played doubles. Uh, yeah, it was close. So we 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 smashed them the first game. They smashed us the second game, and then we thoroughly beat them the third. Would you do elbow taps? Do you do like foot taps? Hands oh, taps? racket, racket smacks. Oh, racket smacks. Got to give a racket smack. Keep it, keep it uh, socially appropriate. Appropriateness is important. But I mean, it, the the weather's beautiful. Um, I've been surprised about, like, I remember being there last summer, and we'd have, like, the courts to ourselves all day long, and there's been a lot of people out there, so obviously people are taking advantage of the one of the few things we could do in the beautiful weather, but I don't like it because it cuts out down on, like, my ability to, like, throw public freakouts when I <laughs> mess up an easy shot, like, when I just want to throw the racket. And Mother! Start... <laughs> there's, like, families in one court playing, I'm like, oh! Sending kids home. This is not a child-friendly environment. But uh, have you ever broken a racket in anger? I've never. I, I make a big point not to. Um, like super expensive. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing that's holding me back. And you know, like tennis rackets are a lot more robust than another racket sport like badminton. Like you're yeah. gonna find. Like my my buddy Andrew, he used to 
played all through high school and university, and he was notorious for breaking a racket off of the side of his shin. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, or or like even on a, on a good game, he would have a massive bruise on the outside of his calf just I, from. <laughs> I do that. Do you? Yeah, I smack my leg if I if I if I do wrong, and it's just so I can be like, I'm not breaking it. Yeah. But, like, I'm punishing myself a bit, and it kind of focuses me a bit more. It's the same as, like, sumo wrestlers. Before they wrestle, they start slapping the, in, the inside of their thighs to get their testosterone up. It's like a fart in public. You just want to sneak it out a little bit at a time. Don't let that frustration. Don't let it just explode. <laughs> and you can throw your racket. You just throw it into the net. Yeah. <laughs> or at the fence. Um, you, you get down low and, and frisbee it low so it just slides. <laughs> it scrapes it, but it doesn't break yeah. it. Scrapes are fine. Now I've you know these like uh, these sports psychology tricks where you like you're losing, you're down, you just like you just screwed up the last couple of turns, and like in squash you go over and then you rub the wall. You're like okay, leave it on the wall, and then you uh, go to the next the next serve and you're fresh. Like do you have that in hockey? Do you have that in tennis? Hockey, you can you can always you can always say okay, next new shift, new game. I always yeah. I always used to find like, in Kohara growing up, we had like wooden boards so like it wasn't all like at the Mariners center it's all like the the, the plastic but uh my superstition was okay bad shift where's the knot i would have to hit my stick on a knot in the wood and be like okay if i can find a good knot to hit it off i can have a better shift next game that's not gonna happen next next, next yeah yeah i haven't had a good shift since moving to yarmouth that's <laughs> <laughs> i see what a, in ping pong i'll i'll slap the wall like, so I mess up a few times and I see, because ping pong is quite a um, momentum sport. Like, once you start losing it, you really, like, it falls off the rails. Yeah, get back here. So I just, like, walk out and I slap the wall and it's, like, my reset. And then I'll have a good serve or I'll continue to suck. You know? But sometimes you it works. slap one of the kids? What? Or you slap one of the kids? <laughs> I play against adults. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach you. Do you remember? Do you remember Over the Top, starring Sylvester Stallone? Nope. It was an arm wrestling movie where he was a he was a trucker, and he uh, he's kind of down on his luck, and he has to win a Las Vegas arm wrestling competition to get a new truck. <laughs> in his big move, like in his big, in his big he's like, I just turn my hat around backwards and I become a new man. <laughs> and like literally, like some of these guys are like huge bodybuilders and like Sylvester Stallone's ripped but he's a ton, he's not a very big man and he's like yep. I'm like come on come on there's no way this is gonna go but he did have he had this training machine in his truck so he could do wherever, wherever he went uh -uh. So. so he's just everyone thought he was just masturbating while driving his truck around <laughs> but he was just training or he was from that Skittles town with the one strong arm <laughs> like oh no um do you guys see the uh the Russian slap fighting you guys ever see that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> People get knocked that. out. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. Uh, just oh. Google Russian slap fight. Uh, and it's, it's two guys, like, set up kind of like a, an arm like wrestling. A, like an arm wrestling, yeah. And they just go shot for shot, and it's just slaps to the dome, and people are getting knocked out. You, ha you have to be, like, like if, you're, if it's your turn to hit me, I have my hands on the two pegs on the table, correct? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm standing there, and I just have to take it right on the side of the face. <laughs> And these are, and, it, and it's open hand, and they're like big, angry, tough Russians. Oh, they're like 400-pound dude, like... Hands the size of lunch pails, just smacking you across the face. My thing is, though, is like, 
they, they don't really regulate as much as you think they would slap fighting, where they're like just slapping them in the ear. Like, of course you're gonna <laughs> knock them out. Like, like, just like boxing his ears with like slaps and like. Anyway, it's pretty entertaining to watch. Um, Do you ever have your ears boxed? Like, bam. Uh, no. That's a terrible, terrible thing to have. That it's a terrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah, I, I suppose. Or a slap fight. <laughs> yeah, but not in Russia. It's just... it was, uh, you know, like some of those dudes in those Russian slap fights, they're just like they don't even have huge arms. They just take these injections. I can't remember the name mechanical. Well, no, it's like olive oil, man. Like a lot of them just olive inject oil. olive oil into their arms to make <laughs> them look huge. But they, their arms get so big, they're like bigger than their head. Yeah, the Google Kirill uh, Tereshin. Oh, I, I've seen them. It's disgusting. Oh man, he looks like Papa the Sailor oh, Man. You see those yeah, guys on like uh, Facebook new, or uh, Snapchat news sometimes. Yeah. So, when you inject vegetable oil into your arm, does it just kind of just saturate the tissue that's there? Is it like what? What's? Or does it make a pocket? I don't know. Could you remove it and use it? <laughs> you just like <laughs> you just want a store of olive oil on you at all times. Well, eh? think yeah, about well, end times, right? I, I have a I have a use for a two point seven eight liter jug, but I my, but my jug is currently full. <laughs> I don't want to waste my oil. You're just cooking over the stove, and you just like cut your forearm and <laughs> dribble it out into the frying pan. The modern man. <laughs> the yeah. modern man. I saw this in Russia once. I think it'll work. What else? Uh, Emmett got a hold of uh, my phone this week, and he uh, he started. I don't know how he. I don't know how kids learn this stuff. Like I didn't know Siri had a wealth of knock knock jokes. So I'm, I walk in the room, and he's like, and he goes knock knock, and Emmett's like, who the, who's there? I'm like, first of all, I'm astonished that this situation is taking place, but it says um, first one was. Uh, uh, Ariana Grande. He goes, Ariana Grande who? Ha ha, boomer. <laughs> what? That's pretty good. I, uh, the, another one was, uh, it said, knock, knock, who's there? Britney Spears. Britney Spears who? Knock, knock, who's there? Oops, I did it again. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh. They, they got, but uh, yeah, I had no idea that was a, uh, that was a thing. Siri's an impressive creature. Yeah. Does uh, does your Samsung have like an equivalent to? Yeah, you just say, "Hey Google, tell me a joke." And, and Google's pretty good for that. Yeah, it'll do that. On to that "Hey Boomer" thing. When that came out, um, I had I remember like I had students be like, "Okay, Boomer," and then um, <clears throat> you got your generation trial. Wow, that makes you an idiot. <laughs> and it, well, all I did was I just said, "Hey, listen, uh, you can say that to me as much as you want, but every time you say hey, Boomer' to me.'" I'm just going to burn a tire and destroy the environment a bit more. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Hey, like if you want to call me a boomer, I'll just, you know, next time I'll I'm driving, what? I'll, you know, I'll go shoot a dolphin. I don't care. You want me to be a boomer? I'll boom it up, baby. I'm going to be, they, uh, they stopped. I mean, I wasn't serious, but you could be Dennis Leary from, from the song <laughs> asshole. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah be yeah. that guy. Yeah. That's the way to live your life. I, uh, got out of the, got out of the County today. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I feel like this I, moment right now is like a support group for people who've lived in Yarmouth County for the last two months without leaving. Matt's our counselor. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of province. Oh, so. life, like on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> and we're on the mainland. <laughs> yeah. It gets better. 
So we uh, we drove we drove up. We uh, I had a buddy who uh, was getting rid of some uh, some barrels. He's like, "Hey, anybody want barrels? I'll get you some barrels." So drive to Claire. I pick up I pick up some uh, these like do you ever you know burn barrels? Like I always wanted one. Like you're gonna fire some brush or some sticks or whatever in the back of your your barrel, and you you go to town. So. Uh, I get up there and it's it's JD composite so it's it's pretty it's pretty cool stuff. They're the ones that made that uh, that house out of 600,000 plastic bottles. So like recycled plastic. Oh yeah, yeah. And they uh, and they're making anything. Like when I when I showed up, they were making uh, panels for a deck and they had uh, they had the like the, the walls of a house. So they're putting up a house in Gilbert's Cove, which is pretty interesting. We'll have to get them on sometime. Yeah. But um Anyhow, I, I, I grabbed four barrels, put them on the back, and I brought some to a friend's house. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these, these should be good and clean and empty. Are they advertised as burn barrels? They're advertised as barrels. <laughs> and, and it's just kind of like a like, – I guess it, it was wrong of me to advertise them as burn barrels because they weren't uh, – no, they, they weren't sold to me as burn barrels. Okay. Hey, burn barrels. <laughs> so – I talked to the guy across the street. He's got one, and he uh, and he cut his open. I'm, I'm like, how'd you uh, how'd you get the top off? I'm like, I'd, I'd really like to replace my like my fire pit thing because ours was a, is an old barrel cut down. It's pretty cool. Um, so he's like, oh, I just used my uh, my jigsaw. I'm like, oh, cool. I think I've got some metal bits for my jigsaw. And now that I've I'm learning how to use those tools, we can <clears> rock and roll. I, I get one home, and I, I knew there was a bit of an odor. So what what it says on them, it's all uh, lamin like uh, laminate resonant resins. So it's like plastics and stuff for uh, stuff for making those sort of composites. And there's a strong odor. And then I, I googled the uh, I googled like the the code on the side of one of the old Wemis code or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and like it said carcinogen, yeah. cancer, like a whole bunch of <laughs> papers. I'm like, oh, okay. And like really, I, and I and I asked, I was like, "So is, is there anything in these?" He goes, "Oh yeah, it's just standard resin. Should burn off quick." So like, what, what was? It just vaporize and inhale. Is that it? Much better. Pouring it. I wrote the backyard, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, this shouldn't be. Let's let's see what this is. So I, I lit a piece of paper on fire. I threw it in there. It's two in the afternoon. You're not supposed to be doing any big burning. And technically, this isn't this isn't a backyard fire pit. So I, I'm okay with this. And I had no idea that it was going to turn into this, but like the whole inside was coated with this thick blue goo. <laughs> and uh, so this uh, newspaper kind of lit up and we're like, oh yeah. So and she's like, I, I guess it's not going to burn. And as she was saying that, it went, <laughs> and it would have been the equivalent to like 15 tires stacked, <laughs> uh, black smoke billowing. And then, and like, we had clothes on the line. Like, I'm pretty sure the clothes have to be thrown out. <laughs> I now have a headache. Yeah, my, I'm going bald. It's like, in that one instant, you undid all their good works of, of building <laughs> houses out of recycled bottles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, full circle. So that's, uh, that's my day. Yeah, do you guys remember when Andy's tire went up? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, Andy's tire was like a a used tire lot and it was just it was basically just a huge pile of tires and then it caught on fire and the entire town was just covered in thick, disgusting black tire smoke. And like yeah. and there's nothing he can do but just let it burn. <laughs> that was the day that uh 
Manisa was having a wedding shower. And her friends are like, Tyler, you got to get her out of the house so we can get into your place. So I had, to, I had to take her to town. She was pissed that I insisted that she comes with me to town because I needed to get a three-hole punch. <laughs> You're a way better teacher than me. Can you get me a three-hole punch? I don't know what the good one is. You know I, I hole punch too many pages. So when we, when we get to the end of the Arcadia stretch, we couldn't go up the airport stretch because of the fire. So we were redirected around, uh, is it Chabot? Yeah. So we, we had to, she was pissed that we had to go all the way around there. And then once we, uh, once we went all the way through town, we got up to Walmart. I, uh, I went in looking for a three-hole punch. And uh, so I get a call from her friends. We're not ready yet. You can't come home. So then I had to, I had to stall some more. And I'm like, well, geez, if, if this continues, we're not even going to have a wedding. So, <laughs> so I went in for a three-hole punch. And I remember coming out with a goldfish. <laughs> an angel fish and uh <laughs> she so she you can imagine the uh the uh holes in my forehead that she's burning with her eyes and uh i just said i got you an angel fish His name's angel <laughs> and, then, and then we drove home excessively slow and she didn't i'm glad she was nice enough to not say anything because she could have said should have said a lot more yeah i don't even think she was happy when she got into her uh yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. But uh, well, your her wedding gown to walk down the aisle. Was that no, no? We, we, she, she got back. <laughs> I don't even think party. she was happy at her wedding, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was. We actually forgot our luggage. So you have you, we did it at the grand, and you're like, oh, this is the best party ever. <laughs> and you get back, and she want to like take off your suit, and she want to take off her wedding dress, and she's like, I don't have my luggage. I have no clothes to change into for tomorrow. It was a, uh, Ooh, a walk of shame in a wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> Memories. Yeah. So, um, oh, I, uh, I had a, so in high school, this is a, this is a waiting for a combustion. Uh, we to go down to John's Cove. You guys are right. We go down to John's Cove for, for bonfires and that. Oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, we used to like go to uh shoppers first and buy cans of hairspray. <laughs> we're kind of working. We through the aisle a can of hairspray as to which one was the best one to put in a bonfire. Right? So we do this like, I don't know, a couple of times every month or whatever. And some of them would like go pop and some of them would fizzle and like spray off as like big flamethrower thing. And then finally, like we went out to, we went out to John's Cove with a bunch of people. And we brought probably, let's say a dozen people with us in addition to our little four-man circle of combustion. We put the hairspray in the middle, in the, in the bonfire. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And you know how it happens. Like everybody gets a little complacent. And they start coming out of their hiding place. You know, behind rocks. But like the four of us, like fuck that. <laughs> yeah, we're staying right where we are. Right, get the get the cover. And everybody's like, ah, it's fine. I don't think it's gonna go off. Could we close and close? Boom. It goes off. You see, like, we're, like, on the water, and you see the shock wave. I should see it go out over the water. <laughs> like, it was a, a big one. Anyway, like, one guy lost his leg. Another person had, this, like, severe concussion sort of bleeding from their ears. <laughs> the pain. They had to drag a half a dozen people off to the burn unit. There's one guy just clutching his guts, like, saving Private Ryan or holding his arm. <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> 
Operation Paperclip uh, to become a rocket scientist. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. No, that's when the government. Actually, can I? Can I say? Can you edit that last part about CSIS? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'm not bl- that. I'll bleep out CSIS. <laughs> I'll bleep out. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bleep out the second time you say CSIS. <laughs> <laughs> you get one bleep. Yeah, you yeah. get one bleep. You choose where it goes. One um, rewind. <laughs> um. My favorite, since we're doing explosion stories, involves Dr. Medicine. And it goes back to, uh, there's one sunny day, and I'm floating in the pool. And I'm just on a little floaty, and Nate, or Dr. Medicine's about to barbecue. And he turns on all the (laughs) propane in the barbecue, but leaves the lid down. And I'm just floating there. And then I look up as Nate lights the barbecue. And all, like, so all the propane is built up, yeah, right? Yeah. And he lights it. And I just see this explosion go past his face, right? Like, it's just, he's engulfed in a fireball. And then he's, like, running around. And, I, you know, a lot of people would probably be concerned. I am just laughing and laughing. And it, like, singed his hair and his eyebrows. Like, didn't burn oh, everything I else. lost a good half inch in hair off the top of my head. Oh, it was... <laughs> It was hilarious. It makes me so happy. <laughs> See, I thought the story you were going to tell was uh, when we were in the backyard of our buddy's place and he had this giant pile of discarded wood. So we just start dousing it in gasoline. And Ben, like, spills a bunch over the front of his legs. He's standing there in shorts. And so he now is standing next to this thing with gas on the front of his legs. On his skin. And we're talking. And one of the guys thinks that we said light it up. So he lights his lighter and tosses it on top. And this like wave of fire shoots out <laughs> and somehow Ben's legs did not go up. But it did like the gas can on fire. So we're saying like, what to do? And someone grabs it and starts running and just takes the top off and throws it just as this burning liquid plastic rolls down and would have rolled directly into the gas can. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of like sitting there and just the nozzle, like yeah. the fumes were burning on the nozzle and it was kind of that same waiting game like, when is this going to go up? It's going to go down the neck. It's going to go down the neck. It was like, wick. like I had just doused the entire thing, and then the guy's like, what, light it? And then he just did it, and I was directly <laughs> beside the fire, and I'm like, oh. Anyway, it was good. Good times. Fun times with did flames. Nah, everybody was okay. We all walked away, so I just didn't, you know, I didn't care. Um, so that's what's going on in our neck of the woods. Let's look at what's going on in the world's neck of the woods with a little bit of Tyler. Welcome to the world, according to Tyler Smith. Welcome back, guys. Glad you could be here. <laughs> so before the break, uh, we're, um, were we talking about uh, we're talking about movies? No, I know, I know, we weren't. That's a terrible segue. No, I found uh, last week we talked about Oregon. Remember how awesome Oregon is? Yeah, Oregon's the... It's the not of, Oregon, that's what I say. It has an awesome trailer here. Yeah, it's got a good... <laughs> Lots of dysentery. Good drive throughs um, <clears throat> So anyhow... The last ever blockbuster video is still thriving, despite the pandemic in Bend, Oregon. There we go. No yeah. 
Yeah, so like the like the, the person who's running it, she's been she's been the manager for like twenty years. And uh, and she's like, you know it's really difficult to keep up with the the new releases given the circumstances. Um, so the store has actually outlived multiple like DVD distributors. Yeah, yeah. So like used to be that you you'd you'd be able to okay, you'd click, 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 send us these ones. Well now she's literally going out to Walmart and Target. And purchasing, purchasing all the new movies. Getting into bidding wars on eBay. It's like, I need this for my collection. I need it for my store. Can you imagine? Like, would you, if we had a blockbuster in Yarmouth, would you, would you go? Um, for nostalgic reasons, perfect. Once in a while. I, I can't say that I would, I would support it enough to make a difference. I still hold a grudge against it for closing 10 to 10. So, <laughs> did blockbuster own 10 to 10? No, no, Nate's thing, Nate doesn't like movie chains. So we had 10 to 10 forever, and then movie, movie time. Movie gallery came Movie in. gallery, yeah, same idea. Oh, I about came movie in. gallery. Yeah, and, then, and that's what put the end of 10 to 10. Movie gallery was that store that just wouldn't die. <laughs> like, and, and, and like Blockbuster would be the same for me. Like, like this is going to close soon, so I'm just going to rent a bunch and hold on to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think we've alluded to I think I, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode where, you, where I'm like, yeah, this was like in the early, in the like 2010s when uh, everything is closing. Oh my God, this is shutting down. All these big chains are closing. And uh, I had, it may have been like a video game and a couple movies, and it, it ended up going to collections. Like, Man, these guys just won't die. I'm not going to be able to wait you guys out. Yeah. Well, we had, we used to rent movies at Irving down the street, and they were lethal with their late. <clears throat> like their late uh, movie policy, and we went back and we returned a movie. And the next time we went to rent one because it was just down the street, they're like, "You owe us a hundred and fifty dollars." Like you owe us like one hundred and fifty-seven dollars, and we're like, "We are not paying you one hundred and fifty-seven dollars for a late DVD for a seventeen-dollar DVD." <laughs> yeah. Like at worst, crazy, I'll man. buy you a new one. They're like, "You're not thinking about the lost profits." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Legends of the Fall is a ter- terrific movie, and everybody wants to watch it. <laughs> There's a lineup. But I'm happy for oh, that. He's so dreamy in that movie. He looks better with long hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Blockbuster. I'm glad, I'm glad there's one. Because now I'm going to hold on to my Blockbuster card that I found in the drawer. <laughs> just in case. Do you guys know David Byrne? David? Yes, he did the... Uh, what song? He's, he's a musician, right? Yeah, Talking Heads. Yeah. Um, ah. Like people do. That's that's a song I know of his. So he uh, still makes music, but uh, since since this situation, um, from what I understand, he's created the website Reasons to Be Cheerful. Kind of like the, is it Dave Krasinski. Oh, uh, uh, John the, John oh, Krasinski. Yeah. So he's got uh, he's got, he's got a, a, a like a podcast or a YouTube channel where he does like weekly good stories that are going on in the world. Manisa watches them and usually ends up tearful. But um, I got onto reasons to be cheerful. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Like one of the stories that he shared was about how so many like because of the circumstances we're living in, um, like quarantine and social distancing. Um, so many cities are shutting down streets for cyclists. And a lot of them are going to encourage that things stay that way, Um, which is kind of interesting. Well, there was a study out of Japan that came out recently that found that biking to work every day resulted in a 24% decrease in risk of coronary uh, disease. 
That's huge. <clears throat> well, I mean, that's uh, like I was seeing this thing. Um, I, I saw this doctor talking about it. And his big thing was like during this whole thing, what they shouldn't have been, what what they should have been doing instead of saying like, okay, shelter in place and like just don't go out, don't spread it, wear face masks. Like, yes, they should have said those things, but they should have been saying exercise. Mm. Like, your number one thing against this disease health is your body, right? And, and the, like, say you have a captive audience of for two months exercising, exercising, exercising. Not only, like, their odds of beating the disease go way up, like, um, but, like, just the general overall health, right? <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the why staying indoors and cleaning all the time because it gets rid of all the toxins in your house. Now your immune system is not built up as much as it was. So if your immune system was, you know, if you're going out and getting, getting toxins from the environment all the time, now your immune system is better. So you can fight off coronavirus a little bit more effectively. That's why this whole like sheltering in place thing is total nonsense. So you watch Planemic. <laughs> you watch Planemic where uh, ventilators actually kill you faster. <laughs> and the evidence for that is <clears throat> most a lot of people who were on ventilators died. Right? <laughs> think about it. Do the math. Do the math. Do the math. If you weren't on it, like you think about that twenty-one-year-old who like went in and, and he had it, but it, like he was fine and went home. He didn't use a ventilator and he survived. Right. Yeah. That's compelling. <clears throat> yeah. Statistics. Facts. Do a T test on that. Find my standard deviation of that shit. <laughs> Can I say uh, a positive coming out of this? Let's like, do it. On, on, on your whole thing. Did you guys hear about Captain Tom Moore? Uh, he was a 100-year-old British war veteran who <clears throat> was just walking. Like, so like, he got on his walker. He's this hobbled old man. He's a British war vet. Like, he's, I'm sure he's a hardcore old dude. Um, uh, and he just did laps of his backyard to raise money. Uh, and he ended up raising $40 million <laughs> <laughs> for the, the Health National Service Charities. Um, it worked. Yeah, because people just saw him and, like, like you see him struggling through. Just, he's just walking, but, like, he, he just inspires you. Like, man, like, everyone's, like, he's doing his part. And he's actually, he got knighted by the queen. Um, wow. No way. Yeah. So, wait, how far did he go? I don't even know. Like, does it matter? It doesn't. Forty million bucks. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. if he does like one lap, if it's like ten meters, or even if it's like hundred meters, I'm not impressed. He did four I'm laps and then looped the video. <laughs> it's, <a lot. laughs> it's been a, it's been daytime for six days. So, in his backyard. Uh, okay, sorry, I see it here. Um, by walking the eighty-two foot length of his garden back and forth a hundred times, so that's yeah. 8,200 feet. 8,200 feet. Yeah. Uh, at 100 years old, like, you know, with a, like, with a walker, you had mobility issues. Like, so he did 100 feet with his length of his backyard? Uh, it was 82, but he did it 100 times. So it was like 8,200 feet, which is like a mile and a bit. Two and a, two and a half. 24.99 yeah. meters. Anyway, they're just showing, like, I mean, this guy is, it was awesome that he did it. And, and people recognize, like, wow, like, even he's doing it, you know. I guess they still are the greatest generation. Yeah, the toughest. <laughs> different, different level of toughness. <laughs> on a lighter note of toughness, uh, I uh, on our road trip to Claire today with Emmett. I'm like, Emmett, 
We're going to listen to Huey Lewis and the News' greatest hits. So we, uh, he, he was a big fan of Power of Love, which is good. It's, it's, a natural, uh, it's a natural thing. But that got me on it. I, and I remember that Huey Lewis came out with an album in February, and I read an article that he lost his hearing. So he has, he has no hearing anymore. Um, yeah, he, he, ended up, he ended up losing most of his hearing in one of his ears about 35 years ago, but he kind of kept going through, going through. And then while he was on stage <coughs> in 2018, he lost all of his hearing in his other ear. So he was like, ah, this sucks. I can't hear anything. <laughs> like mid-concert? Yeah, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like that's all I hear. It's just like, oh, no. Have you seen the clip of Meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> Meatloaf at some rugby game or something in, uh, in Australia trying to sing Bad Out of Hell. And it is absolutely horrible. Like he was a guy who was, he, had a, he had a voice. Oh, yeah. Meatloaf could sing. But uh, no, it was, it was as if. I was to be exerting my voice for a really long time, inappropriately. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Phil Collins is another guy. I can't imagine being one of these guys, like the, the, the captain of rock, and you just lose your all ability to listen to music, play music. Like your whole essence of being is gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least Huey Lewis at least can fall back on um, his acting career. Because you remember he... Well, he was in that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. And then uh, his, his probably, I would say the pinnacle of his acting career would have been playing Reba McIntyre's husband in Is There Life Out There? Remember the music video where she is a mom and a university student and she spills her coffee on her paper? Our kids, her kids spill a coffee on the paper. Nobody remembers that. Oh, my God. <laughs> anybody, anybody listening to this, I want, I want you to message, or message us and be like, yes, I remember Huey Lewis being Reba McIntyre's husband in that. He doesn't do backup vocals. He is not married or affiliated in any way to Reba McIntyre. There is no explanation that I can find on the internet to why Huey Lewis was the actor who played her husband, a terrific husband at that, because he took the paper, blow-dried it, and, like, and made it okay, while she just tried to keep studying for her class. And when she hands in the paper at the end, and she says, and the, and the prof says, try and, try and avoid the coffee stains next time. And she goes, learn more from the coffee stains than the paper. <laughs> God, it's a good, great music video. I mean, maybe we all should know it, but we don't. You will by the end of the night. I'll make. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Before I leave here tonight. Yeah, this is our actually. We, we should acknowledge the change in sound quality. This is our first time back together, and we are recording this social distancing. So we have yeah. really long cords, and we're spread out through the garage. You're untouchable. And. Uh, I couldn't touch you if I tried. Nope. Um, I want to. It's nice to know that. <laughs> I can't. Um, so, yeah. So, we're, we're back at it uh, because they said we could gather in small groups as long as we socially distance. Thank you, Dr. Well, Frank. I'm, I'm watching the boys on, on video chat right now. And you, can't, you guys can't see this, but I'm looking at they've got three tables and they've got about what is it, 10 feet in between each of you? It looks about 10 feet from the video. Yeah, yeah, we got you, we got 12-foot cords, so we could even probably push it. Where did you guys get the plexiglass from? Um, that was stuff that we had from... Jeez, uh, what, what did we have that? We had it at school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did the, uh, the roller derby. We, we wanted to do a roller derby. Yeah. It didn't work out because we weren't allowed to. 
But uh, yeah, I gotta say, like you guys probably could have just gone with like a little bit of additional ventilation, but you really went. I mean, it's nice to see a podcast, a local podcast, going so much effort to really follow the rules. Great guys. Well, the thing is, without rules, we're what are we animals, right? Yeah. What took the most time was creating the hallways just with the vapor barrier. Yeah, you know I mean, just it, trying to get that up there. Manisa, right. It all drove Manisa nuts because I had to get the duct tape perfect. Well, the thing is, is like driving up to like his makeshift docking bay. So like I had to get my car door next to the vapor barrier thing, yeah. right? So I could just walk through this isolated. Because he has kids, right? So I want to make yeah. sure that I'm isolated into my own essence. Well, how did you rig up those motion sensor misters with hand sanitizer so when you walked down the hallway... It sanitizes behind you. It's actually Manisa. Manisa's, Manisa's watching you walk in. She's got, <laughs> she's got rigged up to a bottle. She's like, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad it worked, though. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I think what we should have done... Manisa's on the ceiling, just with an arm down. That's in my eye. Um, we should have just done the Donald Trump thing. Heat and light. Right, that's that. That was the treatment: mm-hmm. just heat and light, and maybe drink a bit, a bit of bleach, a little bit know? of Javex ass. The fluorescent, fluorescent lights, because they're in a tube shape, like those would work better for like getting in you, right? Surface area. If you <laughs> UV light, yeah, maybe would that work? Is that a thing? UV light, yeah, that'll that'll do it. You can ozone. I mean, like uh, take one and then put it in you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> You could be like, uh, you ever see the, the firefighters when they have those flashlights where they take the orange on the back and put it on top of the flashlights to direct traffic? Oh, yeah, the cone. And then you just... You could be the orange part. <laughs> you could insert... Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, you'll be our pilot study. You let us know how it works out for you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen, he's doing it right now on camera. <laughs> Directing traffic. <laughs> um... So uh, I think it's, since we were just brought up by uh, old Dr. Medicine, I think it's time we turn to him for... Uh, so excited for this. ...some education in medication. Paging Dr. Medicine. Paging Dr. Medicine. George Clooney. So today we're going to look at a couple examples of surgery throughout history. And, uh, like, modern surgery is something that I always kind of took for granted until I took a history of medicine course. And they started talking about what surgery looked like before general anesthetic, which is a little brutal. But what do you guys think was the most important trait in a surgeon back in those times? <sighs> steady hand. Steady hand. So, yeah, it's got to be steady hand. No, it was speed. Speed. Ooh. Get him in, get him out. You'd be willing to sacrifice some technical expertise because they were dying. a little bit faster because you have nothing for the pain. You're oh, either, yeah. You're either fixing them or killing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just as a quick example of this, uh, one of the accounts that we talked about in this class was uh, Francis Bernie d'Arblay. I'm probably butchering the name. D'Arblay. Yeah, it is, it is French. Uh, and she was a writer who in 1811 had a mastectomy carried out by Napoleon's surgeon, a Dr. Baron Dominique Jean Loret. So she describes it happening in her it's living room. It's pronounced Loret. 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 It's actually uh, L-A-R-R-E-Y. 
<laughs> gotcha, bitch. So she's sitting in an armchair in her living room for the procedure, and she has some wine as the only anesthetic. And then these seven men dressed in black walk in with no announcement, and they surround her, and they start talking to each other in hushed tones. And Moe's chinning to each other with hand signals. Did she know she was going to be operated on? She knew she was going to be operated on, but she didn't know the extent of it until they started signaling each other with their hands that they were going to take the entire breast. And she started panicking a little bit at that point. I just, uh, my favorite part of this so far is that out of all the alcohol, they're French, right? So they're like, <laughs> you get wang. You don't have anything stronger. Like, like oh, you just get a Merlot. Like, just give just her the a good glass. stuff. Like, you know, get her 100 proof, whatever. So I won't read you her entire account because it's pretty brutal to read. But she says, she's describing when they're starting the surgery. So she says, yet when the dreadful steel was plunged into the breast, cutting through veins, artery, flesh, nerves... I needed no injunctions to restrain my cries. I began a scream that lasted unintermittingly during the whole time of the incision, and I almost marveled that it rings not in my ears still. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a recipe for that PTSD. Is, yeah, and, and it gets more brutal from there. But that's still pretty modern. So if we look back through history, probably the old, oldest form of surgery that's been, uh, that we have evidence of is a thing called trepanation. So as far back as 7,000 years ago, we see skulls that have evidence of having uh, holes bored into them. So they bored these holes in the skull. They think that they were trying to cure illness, you know, uh, probably as some tribal ritual or a method of releasing evil spirits that possessed the sick and mentally ill. Um, There's some evidence that it was done in Peru to uh, help uh, clean out bone fragments left behind by skull fractures. Uh, And that's the oldest form of surgery. Good thing Ben's not here, or he'd be boring a hole in my head. Too. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, get it? Shots fired. But uh, if we want to go for a bit more modern, we actually don't have to go forward that far in time. Well, it's a little ways, but around 600 to 800 BC, there's one of the oldest uh, medical texts in existence, the Shushrata Samhita. Again, I'm probably butchering these names. Uh, but it actually is a pretty advanced surgical text. So this guy, Shushrata, is viewed by a lot of people to be the father of modern sur- uh, surgery. And this was the first time that they talked about like actually practicing your surgical skills. So before then, it was all just like knowing what you were doing. And he's like, no, practice on fruits and on animal carcasses. And uh, you'd think that you'd want a well-practiced surgeon. Would it be the equivalent of like a barber shaving a balloon? Yeah, with a straight razor. Well, like we we did this. We would. Uh, they told us to like practice incisions on chicken breasts and stitching them back mm-hmm. up. So a lot. This whole way of training is still kind of your first entry into surgery today. Can you make our next dinner really weird? <laughs> yeah. Where I want you to stuff a chicken breast, but I want you to suture it after. <laughs> Tonight's dinner is brought to you by Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> So it's, it's quite an impressive book. It's 186 chapters describing over 1,100 illnesses, 700 medicinal plants, and 64 different preparations from mineral sources, and 57 preparations based on animal sources. So he covers a lot in this book. And uh, even back then, he identified some illnesses like type 2 diabetes. And uh, while he didn't know like the genetic and molecular basis, he still advised many of the same lifestyle changes that we advise today. But the main focus was on surgery. 
and uh, it had things that you'd expect like amputations, but it also had, you know, removal of the prostate gland, how to repair a hernia, and even uh, some early stages of plastic surgery, including nose jobs or rhinoplasty, and uh, using skin flaps to help uh, repair cosmetics. Skin so flaps. it's pretty advanced. What are what do you mean like skin flaps? What's that? What do you mean like just like we so you, ta- like you take skin from the cheek or the buttocks or one of these areas where it's pretty robust. Where it's flappy. <coughs> and so yeah, you take you cut off some of the top layers of that and reattach it over like a burn. Like a or, craft, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, okay. And uh, but one that kind of stood out to me was they had cataract surgery back then, as far back as 1700 BC. They were what? practicing cataract surgery. How successful was the rate of that? It was pretty good. The uh, and they even broke it down into like the same way we'd approach it today. He had what you do pre-operative, what you do during the operation, and then his post-operative care. And uh, so pre-operative. The patient was recommended to have an oily massage followed by a kind of heat bath, which is the kind of preoperative care I wish we had today. And uh, once you went into the operation, they would sit on a high stool and the surgeon would sit in front of you, like very close to your face. And you were told to look at the tip of his nose and the surgeon would take a needle and insert it through the sclera of the eye, the white part of the eye. And if clear liquid came out, then you knew you were in the right place. If blood came out, then you had to take it out and try again. And so you'd go in through the white part of the eye into what's called the anterior chamber. So like where your pupil is and the iris in through there and into the lens of the eye. And then they'd scrape it down and pull out and try and get as much of it to come out with the needle as possible. And so it was actually pretty successful. They were, they described patients as going from only being able to vaguely see like hand motions, like large motions to being able to see the movement of fingers. And then after they were done with this, uh, the patient would have to lie down still for several hours. They weren't allowed to cough or sneeze or do anything that might increase the pressure of the eye while it healed. And they check back. And after 10 days, they figured it was pretty good. So once we move outside of India and back into Western medicine, the earliest Wait, did, that... they, did they give them any like, like advice for not coughing? Or are you just yeah. told, just don't cough? Just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do that. And lay still telling yourself not to cough and see if you cough. Yeah. <laughs> and don't uh-huh. eat. Yeah. Holy shit. But uh, like once we step away from India and back into Western medicine, we don't see anything approaching this kind of level of sophistication until like the mid-17th century where they had a technique called couching, which was very similar, but instead of trying to remove the lens, they just jammed it down out of the way and left it in there. But uh, it's impressive, some of uh, the different stuff. If you are interested in the history of medicine, this Shushrata Samhita, read about it because it has some really impressive and surprisingly modern approaches to medicine. And uh, yeah, it wasn't written until 800 or 600 BC. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, your idea of like jamming down the lens and leaving it in there just brought me back to this story that I saw in 2017 where this lady just kept losing contact lenses and she thought they were falling out, <laughs> but they were building up in her eye. And they finally went up under her eyelid and she had 27 contact lenses oh all God. congealed together in a mass under her eyelid. Uh, 
in her 27. eye. 27. Like, how big is that? That's got to be like, like a, what, five pennies jammed together? <laughs> they're not, contact <laughs> lenses are not that thin. Yeah, yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, speaking of flaps, it actually kind of reminded me of a story. I don't know if I've told you this one, but back uh, when we were doing rotations, there was a lady on ward who she had had uh, tri- triple bypass. And so to get at the heart, they have to split your sternum, right? And then they, when they reattach it, they bore holes in the sternum and use a wire to basically tie the two halves back together. Yeah, well, sternotomy. Otomy is for the cut. Ectomy, they're taking it out. But you're a little out of the story because she developed a, an infection and had to have a sternectomy. Oh, and so they cool. had to take it out. So we'd go in there and you could put your hand on her chest and feel all the different parts of her heart moving oh in her goodness. chest. So like, were, wow. was her ribs just like flapping around a bit? Yeah. yeah. Well, they still had what's called the manubrium, like the head of the sternum where uh, the uh, clavicles and stuff attach. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they took out the uh, middle part and the way that they had to repair that was they took a flap from uh, her pectoralis major and created kind of like a fake sternum over top. Muscle sternum. Oh. Yeah. Could she, but, could she flex it? <laughs> Are you flexing your sternum at me? But it was so weird to be able to put your hand on her chest and just feel all the different bits of the heart moving around. It's just going thump, thump, thump. But yeah. think about, that's just like a first aider's dream, right? <laughs> Doing CPR on that, you're just slapping it. <laughs> you just, just slap it. Squeeze, bat, squeeze, bat, squeeze. Bat. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Increase your heart rate here. <laughs> With my fist. That was my first question to Nate when he when he said he scrubbed it on surgeries and he held a heart. I'm like, did you ever try just like squeezing it to see if you could change the beeps on the machine? Like, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Can you f- flood yeah. the surgery cavity? We're like, <laughs> squirt, squirt. Apparently, you're not allowed to do that for some reason. <laughs> Ethics might be a thing. <laughs> is it though? The surgery thing, like the thing that amazes me when bone is involved. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, they're like, they basically got like this little like Dremel saw. I can't remember the name of the Dremel saw. There's one where like, the blade moves back and forth and like make really tight cuts, right? And they get in and they cut off like whatever the, the tibia, the femur, and they just take the whole the whole bloody knee out. And then the guy goes with this like big joint and a hammer. It's just a <laughs> hammer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he bangs this piece of plastic down into your femur. Whack, whack, whack. And then he goes and he takes the other piece and whatever, he fits it all together. And then he picks the whole leg up and then he moves it around like he's some mechanic testing a joint, right? Yeah, yeah. There's something essential about this. You've got to make sure that everything's staying in place, you know? If, you, if you're a good electrician, you want to make sure that you made a good joint, a good uh, a good tie-off on the wire, you tug it, right? Make sure it's not going to come out of the block. He's making sure that the light's <laughs> not going to fall apart, right? And then... Uh, but so that was fine. But watching the sternotomy was the most that that to me was the most disturbing <laughs> because they go with this like basically this small reciprocal reciprocal saw, mm. and they, they they make an incision in the chest, they pull back the skin, and then they just take the saw and they go and they cut from like the navel side of your chest toward the neck, and then and cut the whole piece of bone solid bone that's cutting with the saw and they cut from there to there and then uh and just use like 
clamps like pry this thing apart, pry the chest open. It's not like easy. And the one and one part that you miss from the video is the smell when they use that saw. Oh really? Right. Oh yeah. the burning bones. Oh it smells burning terrible. Bones. That just smells terrible. When they uh so they use electric cautery to make incisions now. So they basically use electricity to generate heat to cut through so it cauterizes as it goes. And uh that smells weird because it almost smells delicious. <laughs> I smell ribs. You cooking ribs? And uh, but it's just off a little bit, so it turns your stomach. But when they uh, cut through bone, the smell is just horrendous. And uh, oh, yeah. I watched a show recently, uh, Killing Eve, where they go and they they zoom the cadaver, right? So they, yeah. And they bring it in the morgue. And uh, one of the one of the detectives like starts like kind of like gagging a bit, and then the other detective, who's not so new, goes, "Can I get you anything?" And uh, the new detective goes, cheeseburger? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the formaldehyde. <laughs> I'm watching a video of the I remember I went with mom like back to the eye surgery when I was a kid to an eye convention. And to this day, uh, I was just, I would sit at the back of the convention while she went to, we were down in New Orleans and then Afterwards, we go around and do touristy things. And I remember both of you rejected that trip, and you guys suck because it was wicked. Um, but it was the I mean, surgery. I don't think I don't think I rejected that trip. That doesn't make sense to me. It did. I think Mom never offered. It to me. No, you're like I'm 14. No, you wouldn't have been 14. I was 13. You were 17. You're like oh, uh, I'm too. That's right. I probably wasn't going on that trip with my mom. When I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, Sorry, mom. Any any time. I, that's what I learned. I mean, it's great traveling, mom. Um, and uh, but then I, I, I just kind of played video games on the little laptop in the back, and then I looked up, and they were showing an eye surgery, and to watch like them cut into an eye, and it was bleeding and gooping, and it was like the most disgusting thing. Like no horror movie like can capture like how it's real, how gross it was. <laughs> like I was like, oh, oh. yeah. On the uh, cool side of things. Yeah, like it was just a person sitting. Like it was an eye. Like they were doing legit eye surgery. So the person was like, you see their face. (laughs) No, like I got a bucket of eyes in my. (laughs) I got a bucket of eyes in my classroom that the kids get to cut open, right? That's whatever. But no, it was. uh, Ox. Those are beautiful eyes. Yeah. The, uh, if you guys are getting into watching different medical procedures, one of the cooler things I saw <laughs> was uh, after bypass, when they're, before they close up, they have to make sure that they haven't done any damage. So one part of that is they inflate the lungs as big as they can go to look for leaks. <laughs> and because the chest is open, wow. you just see these giant pink flesh bags just pop out of the chest, what? just massive and inflated. It is... It is nuts. Definitely worth looking so at. They must have like learned how much they can pump lungs up, like a general lung, right? Yeah, yeah you do it slow. They just pop their lungs. Yeah. <laughs> and you think about like when you blow up a balloon too much, it's like boom. Like imagine that that surgery room, the first time they blew up a guy's lung too much yeah. and it just exploded. Oh, oh that'd be rough. so messy. <laughs> yeah, that would be messy. 
Well, thank you. That was very informative. Yeah, I, I always like a good doctor medicine. Yeah. So um, it's time now for the science corner. Um, but since I am the least of the scientists in the family, or the least represented here, I pass the duties off to my older brother, Matt. So... Science Corner. And uh, Matt, I told the viewers or listeners last week that you're going to play a new bass riff for it, so you have to now. Oh, shit. (laughs) So what do you got for us this week? Because I asked you what it was, Uh, and you're like, nah, surprise. Oh, that's right. I wouldn't wouldn't tell you. Yeah, yeah. uh, Because it seems to be this running theme of the podcast where you guys like to, but you shaved it off now. I mean, it's not nearly as magnificent as it was, but you had this beard. So okay. like the last year, right? And you and Benton are always going on beard, 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 beard oil, beard, beard. <laughs> beard care, beard, beard. And uh, well, I'm trying to grow one now, so there's a little bit of self-interest, you know, some, some personal research. Now, why, why do like why do dudes grow beards? Okay. Because we grow longer beards than, I mean, well, we grow longer beards than girls do, right? Well, we grow longer beards, and the sexual dimorphism is a little bit more advanced in people than it is in other primates. Like, we have stronger differences in the way the dudes look and the way the chicks look, more so than any other any other race, right? Yeah. Why, why do we have these long, thick, luxurious beards? Like you, all the listeners can imagine how luxurious my beard really looks right now. It is it is it's flowing. It's rich. Yeah. There's not even an air current in the room, but somehow it's still flowing. I don't get it. Well, it's certainly not patchy and pubescent. It certainly is not. <laughs> I would not use any P word to describe <laughs> it. Uh, so anyway, I found there was this study done. Uh, I can't. I don't. I'm not sure which month, but it was this year, 2020. These people were, were wondering, well, why? Why is it? So they, they get this paper. It's called the. Uh, Impact protection potential of mammalian hair, colon. Testing the pugilism hypothesis for the evolution of human facial hair. Oh, a little cushion for the pushing. (laughs) So it's about about dudes fighting dudes. So apparently their hypothesis is when you get punched and you have a beard, it takes a little bit of the impact. The dudes have bigger, like more luxurious beards are going to get their jaw broken less often than dudes do. <laughs> so to test this, they took, they took this apparatus where they have basically the piston and they have a platform where they put this composite material, which is supposed to represent it. The medical community, I don't know, maybe you can even maybe speak to one night, but it's some kind of composite that's supposed to represent bones. Because I guess going and hunting down people in the street and taking their bones and for experiments is <laughs> Around one. My dog is getting angry to get out. One sec. You know what they should have done? Is they should have just used the Russian slap fights. Right? And measured. <laughs> That's perfect. Measured the Russian slap fights because some of those dudes have big beards, some don't. Look at knockouts, right? Based on beard, beard versus mass. All right? And 
Done. I, I solved it. Yeah, statistics, right? A little bit of math, guys. Come on. So now instead of doing that, these guys, they went and they took these composites, they put them on a platform, they, they had this rod that they used to ram the composite with to simulate a punch. And so over this piece of bone, this piece of simulated bone, they put sheep skin. Because again, they said it's not, they, they couldn't go out in the street and obtain, quote, uh, flesh with a real human beard attached to it to do this. I, I guess it was, they couldn't go around cutting people's faces. But, but Nate, Nate, Nate already but, said that yeah. one of the procedures is to remove flesh from yeah. the face you, or you buttocks. T- just take a cheek flap. Mm-hmm. And some people's flap. buttocks is, are, are like beards, are beard-like. In I've their seen hair. it. So I've seen someone who had a buttocks flap on their face, and it still had some of that. You know, like some people when they have butt hair, it's kind of like thin and curly. They <laughs> <laughs> had that growing. But anyways, go on. Butt head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess that part didn't get past the ERP. Anyway, uh, ethics review book. So they, they take these these pieces, flaps of skin. They got they got sheep skin, and then uh, they sheared some of the sheep skin off. So it had like like a buzz layer of hair, still had all the follicles attached. They left some of it with like the wool intact, and then they left they plucked all of the follicles out of an, out of another piece, and then they ran it with this rod. And they found that, uh, so for the pluck one, 100% of the jaw material, the bone material, was cracked. And for the sheared, where they just buzzed off the sheepskin, 95% of it was cracked. But for the one that had, had like nice thick wool over top, 5% of it was cracked. They said, ah, they All right, we got it. Beards are meant for getting punched in the face and not having a jaw. <laughs> So it's, so okay, it's okay to punch those people in the face. Well, if you look back, so to got, half the time they they won't have a broken jaw. They won't even have a problem with it. No, I'll be fine. I mean, I mean, I guess my thing is a sheep sheep hair and our hair. I assume is different. Uh, yeah, so they like went into that. They're like, uh, so what's with like the follicle density, the follicle width, and the follicle thickness? And uh, for, for people, the follicle width is, uh, follicle thickness is like four times that of a sheep. The follicle length is five times that of a sheep. So, and then, but the, the follicle density is much higher in sheep than it is in humans. It, it was the kind of a trade off. Well, I, right? I, I would so, assume yeah. that de- like density would be the most important. Like, I look at a person's beard. And it kind of covers her cheek and jaw a bit, but then it just hangs down. You know what I mean? Like, so you see some like Tom York motherfuckers that have got this like fine cheek hair that's not doing anything. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 These big burly vests that have this. Like, Let it go out in every direction. Like, like Ben's facial hair. Well, what it was, I guess. Yeah, what it was. You know, it was. You you could you could legitimately drop like a five kilogram weight on it, and he probably wouldn't feel it. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, right? it, it wouldn't even bounce we just sat yeah. <laughs> just swallowed up so so based on this study if we got, all got into a fight right now Tyler would lose oh, I have no chance mm. Yeah, exactly. and that's not because so I shaved today Matt would win I would come second Nate would come third and Tyler would come last chin of glass 
Yep. Hence let's, the concussion history. <laughs> we never did actually settle the uh, debate of Ben versus Benton. The boxing match. Yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but. Oh, it, should be, it should be a slap fight of some sort anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather get punched. I hate getting slapped. Um, so um, <clears throat> my favorite beard study I saw was uh, it was talking about beards and skin cancer. <laughs> and, and like I don't know, it just it seemed like the example of one of the most obvious things in the world, where they're like, if you have a beard, you're less likely to get skin cancer, like on your cheeks, I guess. Uh, and for their study, they basically just put mannequins in the Australian outback. Um, they gave one a beard, one not a beard, left them there for like what? two months, <laughs> and then went to a, it, like examine all the damage done, and the one that had a beard. Of course, had less damage done, and they're like, so like, so less, less skin cancer if you have a beard. But like, you got to be specific. Like, you can't say overall less skin cancer, like on your jowls, right. like less skin jowl cancer. But we already learned that we can get some skin flaps to get rid of that anyway from your butt <laughs> with curly little hairs. So yeah. if I'm ever stranded in the Australian outback for two months, I want to have a beard. You're going to be yeah. a butt face yeah. when you come home one way or another. <laughs> Since Benton isn't here this week, I thought I would take over his duties. I said duty. Um, to do a segment, so here we go. Ben, ben Drew would like to invite you to join him on a journey through histories and mysteries. Mm. I'm a big fan of, of mysteries and, and also history. Not history? as much as science, but uh, I came across this thing. It's, it's the lead mask deaths. Okay. It's, uh, it's coming out of Brazil. And on August 20th in 1966, a little boy was flying his kite on a hill uh, when he found two dead bodies. So they call up the cops and they found two men, Manuel Pereira da Cruz, and Miguel Jose Viana. They were 32 and 34. And they were electronics repairmen uh, from Campos dos Cayacazes, which was about 200 kilometers northeast of the hill of where they found them. Um, and they were wearing business suits and raincoats, and they had a backpack or some sort of like pack that had an empty water bottle, two small towels, um, but the weird thing was, is they were wearing lead masks. Um, so masks made out of pure lead. There was no clue to what the lead masks were or what the cause of death might have been. So there was no um, physical evidence of, 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 of mal, malfeasance. I can't remember the right word, but that was a good one. But the thing is, is that the lead masks weren't, um, they weren't like a face mask. It was just over the eyes. Kind of like a, a Robin mask, you know, like, like Batman and Robin. Like, it's just an eye mask, except there's, like, no holes in it. It's just solid metal. Um, it's not like a gym thing where, you, like, you put an eye covers your whole face. A what, what? You jump up and do a great dance. The Jim Carrey mask where it's, like... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this wasn't as cool. It's just... Is it, like, the Green Hornet? Uh, yeah, it's or, just, or just... RoboCop. What's the guy's name from Star Trek? He has the... You guys... Jordy LaForge? Yeah. I start, I'm starting to feel... I know how Benton feels right now. I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get a visual. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was... 
I already gave you one. The the the, the Robin mask from Batman and Robin. You know, sure. it just goes yeah. across your eyes, and that's it. Except it was solid lead. Um, so they had a bunch of money on them, which they think is a, <laughs> their their uh, expression. Like because the conversion rate was really hard because the inflation was so crazy in 1966, it's enough to buy a small car. Uh, and they took a bus to Rio. And on their bodies, they had receipt for raincoats that they were wearing since it was raining on that day. Uh, and a receipt for the bottle of water because back in those days, it was like PEI where, you, where the water, like all the bottles are glass. Glass water, yeah. And the receipt for the bottle is something that tripped people up uh, later on. So he had the receipt for the bottle in order to return it, right? To get the bo- their deposit back. When police questioned the clerk who sold them the water, she said that they seemed a little agitated and concerned about the time. So it was getting dark and starting to rain, so they were, they were a little uh, hesitant. So they started trying to investigate the, the final days and piece together what was going on. So they talked to this clerk and said they were agitated. Um, and then they hitched a ride uh, up to the hill with two unidentified men in a Jeep. The weird thing was <clears throat> they also found with a small notebook and on one page was a list of electronic parts numbers, um, and they think it was to do with their repair business because they're electronic repairmen. But then they also had this. Do you want me to do the the Portuguese and then the English, or just the English? Uh, can you mix? <laughs> That'll be real confusing. <laughs> I'll do both. My favorite Portuguese. It sounds like like a deaf person speaking Spanish. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to do it. Uh, I don't want to offend oh, deaf people. Oh, I almost... <laughs> so, okay. 1630. Esterno local de Mentando. That's good. 1830. Ingrere capsulas. Apos efito proteger metes agradra sinal mascara. How was that? Was that good? I can't Google Translate this fast enough. <laughs> so... It was it was hard for people to kind of translate it because it's weird grammar. But the best their I, I did, like their their abilities. It says four thirty p.m. Be at the determined place. Six thirty p.m. Swallow capsules. After effect protects metals. Wait for mask signal. So that was written in their notebook. Some weird kind of cryptic uh, stuff. Plan. Yeah, there's a plan. This is as close as the police ever got to finding a motive or a cause of death. So they never found capsules on the body. Uh, and if the men had taken a capsule, maybe it was poisonous. They never, we never learned the reason why or what they had taken. Because one of the reasons was a toxicology test was never done to the bodies. So, which, is, which is crazy. So you have two young men dead on a hill, no physical signs of trauma. And they're like, well... We can't do toxicology because their excuse was we were busy. It was a busy day. And also, I think they're starting to get badly degraded because they're out there for a little bit. But the thing that kept bringing people back is like two people dead on a hill is one thing, but it was these lead masks. So they were wondering like, is it a tribal mask? Is it a welding mask? Is it a costume? Like what, what's up with these masks? So they were sheets of lead cut by hand into the shape of sunglasses without having the stems on them to kind of hook around your ear. How were they like affixed to the face? Face? Are they like Was there a strap? Like, in the of them? Are they covering their eyes totally? So, so it's not it's not known if they were on them or if they were laying next to them because um, they photographed yeah. everything separately. 
Yeah, um, yeah. But they were very crude, and it looked like they were just like cut with tin snips out of uh, scrap lead sheets. Okay. So there were some blogs that came out and said, like, well, you know, they they're similar to what's used for radiation, you know, because you use lead to stop radiation. But that was <laughs> that's a stupid concept because like. If you use a radiation shield or mask, like you're not just covering the eyes, right? You're covering the whole head or mm. face. Um, and then you also incorporate some sort of vision implement like goggles so you can actually see through them. This is backwards. Um, so these left the entire head and face unprotected, but blinded the eyes. So you can't think... they were going to bear witness to an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no environment where these seem to be useful. In some of the secondary sources written about this, so there was a, a book came from Charles Bowen uh, called Flying Saucer Review in March 1967. Bowen focused on reports uh, before and after the death of these men. Um, so several days after the bodies were found, at least two respectable newspapers in Rio reported that people saw uh, UFOs going up and down above the hill on the same night the men were up there. They could have something to do with these UFO encounters. But the thing is, people report UFOs all the time, especially after unusual events. But, um, but there's no evidence of UFOs or no photographs. And UFOs have never been kind of like known to kill people. Like you don't hear like uh, about UFO sightings and deaths. Like you might hear about abductions and anal probing or whatever. Never lead sunglasses. <laughs> Just not lead sunglasses. So it's hard to correlate those two events. Since the men had written notes talking about taking capsules, that's probably the most likely explanation for their death. But they don't have a toxicology report to back that up. There was a tabloid that talked about it, and uh, there, there was a reporter reclaimed that Manuel and Miguel had, along with their friend Alicio Gomez, built devices in Manaloa's garden that exploded about two months before their deaths. So these two guys were working with a buddy, making this weird contraption that blew up a couple... Uh, in what, sorry? Is in Hawaii? No, this is in, in Brazil. Oh, you said Manaloa. I thought you... Oh, no, Manoel. Manuel, or it, Manuel? It, it might be Manuel. Manuel. Like, it's Manuel. 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 Was, that, was, that, was that Portuguese sounding? Manuel. Yeah, more like Manuel. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so Bowen um, seemed to be doing a lot of good research. They had found that another man, who was also an electronics technician, had been found dead atop a different hill four years before also with a similar lead mask. Hmm. So, four years apart. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, but there's not enough details about the death. Um, so, like, that's all they really knew about it. So, that's what... The best mysteries are, are, well, are poorly reported, right? That's what makes them a mystery. <laughs> if only we had Don't a toxic... Don't your personal narrative. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, this Alicia Gomez, who, who made the contraption with these two other guys that blew up, told them that they were all part of this group called Scientific Spiritualists. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I like to believe that Matt is. is. Scientologists? So, they're from, an, 
They were an SS group from Brazil? Yeah, they were SS group <laughs> in Brazil. Um, <laughs> so Gomez said that the three of them That's were... almost like they moved there in the 1950s. <laughs> I love to make the science, yeah. Um, so I am scientific spiritual. So Gomez said that the three of them were interested in trying to contact Mars and that the explosion uh, a couple months prior um, had been the unfortunate failure of a device they built in pursuit of their spiritualist in interests. Naturally. So they, they, they seem to be these guys that kind of came up with this, um, this mix of like, like, well, we're electronic technicians and we understand electronics, but we're also like believe in like, like amplifying our, our psychic abilities or, and we want to contact aliens. So it's all kind of mixed in. Compounding this was a book found in Miguel's home workshop uh, where they found the tools and scrap used to cut the masks with passages highlighting, uh, per highlighted pertaining to intense luminosity related to spirits. Oh, good. So if someone expecting to be exposed to intense luminosity might want to choose to uh, protect their eyes with lead shields. So if spirits are super bright, Chuck some lead on your eyes, I guess, is, is the message there. Bump it in. Um, so two weeks after the death, uh, a newspaper, Forja de Sao Paulo, published a statement by a self-described professor of yoga who stated that the local spiritualist community would often take psychedelic drugs. And it was his opinion that Manuel and Miguel had died due to an accidental overdose. Um, but this is also anecdotal because it's just some yogi who's like, yeah, we all like getting messed up. They probably did too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already on, Wayne. Another yeah, thing, though, the other thing about the lead masks is, is that Manuel and Miguel were also known for making um, really bright fireworks, and they like shooting them off. So that the eye protection could be that. Um, so this is about as much information that exists about the entire uh, incident. But it like, seems... If you're going to shoot a firework, don't you want to look at them? Yeah, but maybe they're, like, too bright, man. <laughs> like, like burning magnesium. I don't want to stare at that too much. Or, like, phosphorus. Like, this stuff's bright, dog. Hurts your bright. eyes. Hurts your eyes. Don't look directly to the phosphorus. Don't look at a solar They eclipse. must have been doing it for, for other, other purposes. Not I think, well, well, they talked about, like, they had found this book talking about the brightness of spirits, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, there's a book, uh, Tin Snips and Lead, talking about, <laughs> you know, luminosity of spirits. And, and all. so it seems possible that Manuel also, and Miguel... how you make spectacles for, for him. Yeah. But, I mean, even if spirits are super bright, don't you want something that you can actually see through? I, I understand. <laughs> there's lots of plot holes. If you're taking drugs to see the spirits better, don't you want the drugs not to kill you? <laughs> you know what I mean? So you probably like, want to do it again sometime. I, but like, well, theoretically, if the drugs kill you, you're more likely to see spirits, right? And see, and, and it comes back to that bottle receipt because that was the, the argument of like suicide. Why would you keep a bottle receipt to return the bottle if you're planning on killing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so that, that was one thing that tripped people up. So they don't think that they, they purposely were going up there to kill themselves. They're probably taking who knows what. They could have been taking like cadmium and some other toxic metal pills because they're weird. And they're like, we're scientific spiritualists and it won't hurt us. 
Um, so it seems possible that Manuel. Do you recommend taking cadmium for a good time? Um, I knew a guy named Jimmy back in the eighties. He he recommended it. It's a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> Best. But it seems that they were part of a group that were interested in trig triggering a spiritual experience with maybe psychedelic drugs. On there seemed to be specific hilltops and expecting very bright lights along with the experience. But that's about all we can say about the mystery of the lead mask deaths. That reminds me, speaking of like not looking at things, I remember the one really good solar eclipse we had over Nova Scotia. I might have been like five or six, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember mom being an eye doctor telling me not to look at it or it'll burn my eyes out. And so one of the most monumental moments that you could ever witness, I was in the basement and I barricaded all the windows with pillows. Like I thought like I, I was, actually vaguely uh, remember this. Yeah, yeah. I, I strongly remember this. This is one of those weird like childhood memories that sticks out. That's like I could have been four. I don't know how old I was, but I put pillows up in the windows and I stayed in the basement and I skipped the entire event. All I wish is that I would have just caught a glimpse like Donald Trump. You know, when you're like, hey, look at that. Eric Stewart brought his dad's welder's mask to school. <laughs> yeah. And we Aww. all took turns with the welder's mask. And I'm like, I can't really you're see it anyways. Yeah. It's also not adequate. But hey, it's better than. No, Ben's than right. We were locked in the basement. We were away in the basement. I mean, there's a basement a lock on it. But I remember trying to catch a glimpse out of these like 18 by 24 windows. Yeah. Trying to like peer. I mean, it's the wrong direction entirely. I <laughs> There was no sun in the sky. Try to check it out. I, I see, and I don't even know. I don't know if, if mom and dad put us down there. I, I know that I wanted to be down there. Like, I was terrified. Can't sleep. Clown will leave me. Can't, <laughs> can't sleep. Smoking holes where your eyes would have been? No, I, yeah. I, I was very vivid. It'll burn your eyes out. Like, I'll be blind. That was on the video that mom was showing us for the five days leading up to the eclipse. Yeah. She was showing us all these eye films, these eye doctor films. Like, I think it was just the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and she just made us watch this for five days yeah. before the eclipse. And she's like, that arc that he looked at is like a third as bright as a solar eclipse. Yeah, yeah it was an eclipse in the box. You don't want to look at, look at this. Yeah, that's yeah. not even, yeah, it doesn't compare. And all we needed was a sheet of lead and some tin snips. Get that luminosity, dog. All right, I want to thank uh, the Drews for showing up strong. I want to thank Benton for not showing up so we could do this. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a like and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be great. Come visit our Facebook site and like and subscribe. We also got merch still up. You can find a link to our merch store on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, love yourselves and love reggae music. Yeah, love reggae. Uh, I just wanted to ask you guys a quick question. Yeah. Yes. Why Why do teenage girls always walk in groups of three, five, or seven? Why? Because they can't even. <laughs> <laughs> Good night.